Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gay with God. I am so happy that you're here, and I'm honored that you're going to be a part of the Gay with God podcast again. And I want you to know that I am I am seeing more followers every week, and I'm so excited to see a new name. I can't always yet figure out how to respond back to you that you have followed and say thank you. But for all of those of you, and I will not name your names because you may not want people to know right now that you're following me, but I appreciate it, and I see you, and I'm so, so excited. And I am also so excited that we continue to get amazing guests and I have another one for you today. So Alicia is a counselor with the Christian Closet and is a licensed professional counselor in the states of Colorado and Wyoming. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Southwest Baptist University and a Master of Arts in clinical mental health counseling from Denver Seminary. She grew up in the Midwest in the 90s at the height of the purity culture, and it never occurred to her that she could be gay. So she met and married a man, but eventually divorced, realizing that she was indeed gay and that God loved her as she was. Let me say that again. God loved her as she was. It is her favorite kind of work to walk with people at the intersections of spirituality and identity. Nothing fuels her soul more than conversations about the soul. Alicia lives in Wyoming with her girlfriend and their blended animal family consisting of three dogs, a cat, and a fish. In her spare time, she loves exploring the rugged landscape around her, snuggling on the couch with foster animals, creative endeavors, and devouring sweet treats. And I want to give, I want to give you a heads up that starting in the new year, she's going to be doing some support groups, um, coming out to non-affirming families, queer and Christian, deconstruction, reconstruction. It's very exciting. We'll have it on the show page and you can see that later at empoweredmidge.podbean.com, but we'll put all the links there. But anyway, so Alicia, welcome to Gay with God. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And I love that you love animals and I love that, <laughs> that you foster. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I already feel aligned with you because <laughs> I don't know how many uh, you said you have what three you said. Three uh, yeah, dogs? we have. We have three dogs. I have the cat on my lap. We have a fish. And right now we have a very sweet foster oh. named Liza. So. That's awesome. So I've got four in the other room and we've already talked about that if we need to pause this podcast because barking and howling may occur, (laughs) that we will do that. (laughs) Yeah. So Alicia, I'm so excited for um, my guests to get to know you and I can't wait to hear your stories. So tell us your story. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in the Midwest um, in the 90s and purity culture. And um, I mean, church was everything. We mm-hmm. were there all the time, pretty much anytime the doors were open, we were that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and just being gay just wasn't really ever talked about. I mean, this was also kind of when the AIDS crisis was happening was when mm-hmm. I was growing up. 
So what I knew about gay people was uh, they all have AIDS. Um, they're sinners and they just think it would be a whole lot more fun to go have sex in the streets than to follow God. And wow. I knew that that didn't fit me. That's not who I was. So, um, so I just didn't have a, a template or a framework for what it could look like to be gay. Was there uh, anything that happened when you were younger that would have made you think you might, did you ever have like a, a you didn't think you were gay, but was there anything looking back that made you think, huh? <laughs> that might have been it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I didn't, and I think I thought a lot about why that might be, and um, I've got a few thoughts. Um, at least when I was growing up, I didn't have really any thoughts that I might be mm-hmm. gay. I knew that I would have, you know, really intense friendships with women, um, <laughs> as as all good lesbians do. That's right. <laughs> we are very devoted friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I think when you think about, um, you know, how we learn what love is, the framework that we have for that is kind of, um, what we see around us. Um, and I think that I, I got a lot of messages that love is fear. Um, so my dad is very abusive. Um, and then when you think about all the messaging in the church around, you know, uh, don't take this misstep, don't do this thing, or you're going to burn in hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or God's going to burn in wrath, he's going to punish you. Any bad thing that happens to you is because God's punishing you because you did something bad. Mm. There's so much fear wrapped up in that, you oh, know. Yeah. And then it's also, oh, but God is love and he does these things because he loves us. Um, and so I had a lot of my own trauma. And then you know, on top of that, I had some religious trauma from Mm -hmm. all that. And, Mm um, and so my nervous system kind of, when it felt fear, um, it kind of equated that with love and, um, and I, uh, a lot of that was also just related to, uh, to men. So my Mm -hmm. dad was terrifying. God is referred to as male. And then, um, you know, all the leadership in the church that we're supposed to submit to are primarily men. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was around men, I was terrified, but I think I only knew that that meant, um, you know, that was equated with love in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also didn't know that it was even possible for me to be gay um, because I knew that I loved God and all I knew was that gay people didn't love God. So mm. it just kind of wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, a hard place to be because, you know, people will ask me too, you know, why, why didn't you know early on? And it's like, well, you know, knowing early on would have meant that I would have been condemned to hell for sure. I mean, I thought I Mm -hmm. would be anyway, but, um, but it's so clear if you're growing up in the mainstream churches, there is no easy way to be gay and not be going to hell. It's just not going to happen. And when you get that message so early on, you frame like those friendships, those intense friendships. I, I, you know, when we have those, we really just believe that we're very connected to this one person, that they are our best, best friend, even though they don't know it. (laughs) 
they may not know it on the level that we know it, but um, you know, you just can't all of a sudden flip that switch because what, where would we go? Where would we live? How would we yep. survive that in those really either abusive homes or also those, you know, religious homes, there was just no other way to do it. We just had to suppress it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think that's right on. Yeah. yeah. So when you were getting closer to, to being able to come out, you first got married. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, so I did have a brief moment in college. Um, I started having sexual thoughts about women and mm-hmm. had an accountability partner um, you know, at like a good Southern Baptist at a Southern Baptist <laughs> school. And, um, and so I confessed that to her one time and I was terrified when I confessed it, mm. you know, I thought I was going to burst into flames on the spot and mm-hmm. she was going to tell me, yeah, you're, you're probably going to just burn in hell. But what she said instead was, um, oh, everybody has those thoughts. You're probably not gay. So just pray about it and it'll go away. Um, (laughs) Well, that was a surprise. Everyone has those thoughts. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So let me back up a minute because I I, I was not raised Baptist. Um, So what is an accountability partner and how does that work? I'm assuming, you know, that was at at the college. So, but how do they pair you up and, and what is the purpose of that? Yeah, so it was kind of, it was just sort of something that I found on my own, and in Baptist circles, it's um, an accountability partner is somebody that you would meet with, like, once a week, probably a friend uh, that you would know through church, or in my case, I knew from my Christian Mm -hmm. school, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, we meet once a week, and just confess our sins to each other, and pray for each other, and encourage and support each other. So it's really nice to have, mm-hmm. you know, weekly support mm-hmm. and encouragement. Um, but yeah, the, the other part of it is, you know, weekly we have, we just, you know, talk about how horrible we are and all mm-hmm. of our awful sins, you know, <laughs> fun times, uh-huh. yes. fun times. So, so did she keep your confidence? Was it, or did she have to tell someone that you were in trouble or you know, as far as I know, I think that she did. I don't know that she told anybody about that. Um, and I was so thankful that she didn't say like, yes, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and that I had burst into flames. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's always good. That's always good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so I kind of just took that to heart and, um, and, you know, I still at the time I didn't have a framework for being gay, um, other than just horrible destruction. Um, so I was like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm all right. I just need to pray about this. And I kind of, so then I just buried it super, super Mm -hmm. deep, um, Mm -hmm. and and didn't let myself go there again. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, um, I didn't actually date hardly any in my twenties. Um, so that was in college. I really didn't date in my twenties at all. Part of that was just because I lived in a small town. Part of that was because there just wasn't a lot of opportunity. <laughs> there wasn't anyone that interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, and until um, until I was twenty eight, and I met the man that I married. Um, and I was also coming out of a really abusive church experience. Um, 
but when I met, um, when I met my ex-husband, it was like, I mean, there was just a kinship there. Um, Mm -hmm. it was just, I don't just, just a kindred spirit. And we clicked right away. I felt like I had an instant best friend and everybody always said, that's what you should look for. You should marry your best friend. So, Uh so I did. (laughs) Um, and, um, and I thought, um, I thought we had a great relationship. Um, I mean, I think he would say that we did too. And Mm -hmm. we were the couple that everybody kind of thought was just so perfect together. Mm. Um, And in a lot of ways we were, I mean, we were best friends. We got along so well. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were able to, you know, of course we had our stuff like everybody, but we were able to move through it pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I had everything I thought I ever wanted Mm. Um, we had you know we bought a great house together we got two dogs together we we had uh friends we were part of the church um and yeah it was kind of the perfect life um and so shortly after we got married I decided to go well I was already trying to go back to school and I decided to kind of shift my focus um I like I had mentioned I had come out of a a really abusive church experience. And I kind of wanted to just walk away from God altogether after Mm -hmm. that. And I tried to for about a year, I kind of spent a year just really grieving um, all of that and um, just not having anything to do with God. And then one day I kind of woke up and I was like, no, I, I am a person of faith. Like I just, I cannot not believe Um, it's just not in me to to believe that there's nothing out there. I have to believe that there is a God. Um, and so I kind of was sort of at ground zero and I, I was like, okay, well, um, I know there's something, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it, but I know that it's good and it's loving. Um, and I'm just going to start with that. So I decided to go to seminary. Um, and I was in my own therapy at the time. And I kind of thought, maybe I'll give that a try. That sounds interesting. Um, and, uh, so I went to seminary to get my master's in counseling and, um, yeah. And what I loved about my time in seminary, the specific school, um, was that it taught me not, it didn't teach me what to believe. It taught me, um, what, how to read the Bible and Mm. how to find God. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so that, that is probably the most critical thing I think that many of us lose is that we lose the right to have critical thinking and we're told what somebody else believes. And then we're told that that is what we need to believe. And, and that usually does come from the church. It, you know, the church has this power almost to say that we, this is what we believe. And, and if you don't believe that, then somehow you're out of bounds and that's bad. Um, I was wondering too, when you said just a few minutes ago that, that you left the church and that it had been a pretty abusive relationship, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It, it was one of those things that started off um, feeling so safe. Um, I was already kind of questioning the upbringing that I had um, around particularly conservative politics. Um, 
I was becoming really passionate about social justice, even though that wasn't um, necessarily something people were doing in Missouri in the 90s, um, or at least in my circles. Uh, people were not really focused on social justice, but I started going to this church and they were, and they were talking about how following Jesus is more about what you do and how you love people than whether or not you show up to church on Sunday morning mm -hmm. and whether or not you vote a certain way mm -hmm. and whether or not you, you know, say the right things or whatever. Um, and so it felt so safe. But what I found over time was that it was really just another form of fundamentalism. Oh. Um, and, and so it kind of became another way where um, my agency was taken away from me, not forced, but really shamed out of me. Mm. Um, and I think it was that shame that uh, kind of drove me away from wanting to have anything to do with God. If that's mm -hmm. who God is, that that's not love. Uh -huh. And I, I don't want that. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And so when I kind of found my way back, uh -huh. um, you know, that's what was so healing for me in mm -hmm. seminary was to find that um, actually, you know what, like people who tell you what you're supposed to believe and what you're supposed to do and you shame that, like that's idolatry. Mm. Um, and the Bible has some pretty strong things to say about idolatry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 So, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about that because that, that's such a new concept for me to, to hear about mm -hmm. that. If someone's shaming you and that, and they're telling you what to believe that's idolatry. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just kind of this idea that, um, we need to follow a pastor or a uh -huh. leader oh, okay. and that yeah. whatever they say, um, you can't question. Uh -huh. And, and if, if we're following a human and not able to question that human, uh -huh. that's not God. That's uh -huh. not following God. That's following a human. Um, oh. and that's idolatry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, I mean, it's okay for us to learn from them, but always keep it in perspective that they are not the be all end all because they, although they may have studied, they are not God. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. I, I'm so Absolutely. glad you said that. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, it, you heard it here first, folks. We got <laughs> 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 That's really good, Alicia. I love that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so seminary, you just made that sound so inviting. Now I wish all of us could go to <laughs> seminary and, and be educated on how to read the Bible and get because of some critical thinking, it would help the world so much, I think. And just us individually. Seminary was really critical for beginning to open me up. Um, I, which is ironic because I struggled quite a bit with social anxiety in seminary. But when I look back now, I I can see, I think that was kind of the hatching process of me opening up. And mm -hmm. so as I was learning how to find God on my own and read and understand the Bible for myself, instead of what someone told me to believe, a whole new world was open mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that felt scary because mm -hmm. I had never um, had that, uh, that opportunity before to see the world that way. And, um, and it, I was also, I had 
you know, I had moved to a city away from the Midwest, and so I was um, becoming friends with people just outside of the church and being exposed to a lot of different ways of looking at the world. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it really broadened my horizons. And then mm-hmm. this was also around the same time that Jennifer Knapp was coming out. And uh, she's a Christian singer who, okay. um, who came out as, as gay later. Um, mm. So she was coming out around this time. And um, so something that I was just really exploring kind of for myself, what do I actually think the Bible says about at the time? I would have used the language about homosexuality. Uh-huh. Um, and when I started hearing stories uh, that people were sharing about just the deep shame and mm. um, and the, the damage that it does to have to closet yourself and to all that internalized homophobia, mm. um, I just kind of thought, like, how can that be of God? Mm-hmm. It just that can't be of God. Self-hatred cannot, mm-hmm. cannot be. Um, so, so I was kind of opening my mind to that anyway, and then simultaneously was kind of getting little glimpses of awareness um, of my own, <laughs> my own sexuality. Um, you know, I had, looking back now, I had a clinical supervisor in my internship that I would catch myself checking out and I was like, oh, and then I would very quickly switch to like, oh, I just like her outfit. <laughs> you know? But of course, that, that's not what was happening for me. <laughs> that's good. I love that. Yeah, I, I just like her brilliance. Yeah, she's so smart. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, something that I had told myself quite often, um, even throughout my 20s, was like, oh, it's just normal for straight women to admire another woman's beauty. Like, mm-hmm. that just happens. But um, I think that I was probably admiring a lot more women than probably <laughs> straight women normally do. <laughs> well, at but, least in a different way, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Shortly after that, um, I met a woman um, who who was openly gay, and I was very deeply attracted to her. And I didn't realize that that's what was happening at first. I knew I felt something very intense and strong the moment I met her. Um, But I kind of just thought, oh, she... um, you know, she's gay, she's probably been treated really badly. It's probably just compassion that I Mm. feel. And that's why I feel such a connection. And then one day I was driving home, and I just kind of had this like, perfect moment of awareness. Um, And, um, you know, I'm not one that believes anymore that everything happens for a reason, or that God is directing every single step we take. But I have had some moments in my life where I it's felt very clear to me that there was some sort of divine intervention and that's what that felt like. Mm. Um, And I just had perfect awareness of what I was feeling in the moment. Mm. And I realized, and then I had a flashback to that moment in college where Uh, I came out to my friend uh and I was like, Oh, I am gay (laughs) or at least bi, but something something not heterosexual happening here. Now, are you still married at this point when you went to seminary? Wow. Mm -hmm. I was. Yeah. So 
in this moment of divine intervention and clarity, hopefully you did not wreck the car. No, I did not. <laughs> That's good news. Just clearing it up for the guests. You know, we want to make sure that you were safe. Um, right. But then what do you do with that information? Okay, now I have clarity. Hey, I'm probably gay. And then, oh, by the way, I'm still married. So how did that yeah. go? Yeah, it uh, really freaked me out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because and especially because I was pretty happy. And I had worked really hard to get to that place of being really happy and being really settled with my husband. Um, so I didn't know what to do with it. And I kind of went back to the old, like, you know, maybe just pray about it and it'll go away. We had been together for about seven years at the time. So I mm-hmm. thought, you know, maybe it's the seven year itch yes. you hear people talking about. Right. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of sat with it for a little bit. And then I shared it with my therapist that I was seeing at the time who, um, was open-minded, but was not affirming. She kind of approached it from the standpoint of like, oh, well, you know, people have daddy issues. Maybe it's kind of the same thing, like mommy issues, you know? Um, And also kind of took the stanza, which, you know, generally I do, um, I do kind of see value in of, you know, when you are feeling, you know, like tempted by a person outside your marriage, it's a good cue to like, look at, is there a, a missing piece in my marriage mm-hmm. that I, you know, maybe there's mm-hmm. some connection or something missing. Sure. Um, so we did a lot of work on that. We did more work on my trauma. And what I found what, over time was that the more I worked on my marriage, the more I worked on my trauma, the stronger my desire to be with the woman got. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Clarity does that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cut away all the um, shape and what have you got? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. I got this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one night, um, my husband and I, it, I think it was like a Friday night, we had done our usual routine, which was to go to this restaurant on the street that had a really good happy hour. Um, we went out, we came back home, and I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I need to tell you something. Um, so this was about six months after I had realized um, what was going on. And he had a great response. He said, well, you know, I've kind of wondered. And, um, and, uh, so he, he had a job where he traveled quite a bit and in his line of work, open relationships were really common because people Mm. traveled so much. Mm. Um, and so he said, you know what, let's try an open marriage. And, um, and I said, no way, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not doing that. I just need mm-hmm. you to know where I'm at. And then about a year passed um, and my feelings just continued to get stronger and stronger to the point where I knew that if I ever had the opportunity to cheat on him, I would take it and I mm. probably wouldn't even feel bad about it. Mm. And I didn't like that about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I talked to him again. And I said, hey, were you really serious about that? And maybe we can talk about what that would look like. Um, 
So we did, we talked about it. We had lots and lots of conversations about it. Um, and came up with, you know, ground rules um, and decided to give it a try. And so what I found in that process, uh, it was actually pretty quickly apparent to me was that, um, that I am not bi, I am 100% gay and um, I absolutely love him with all my heart, but I, I am not romantically in love with him and I don't connect with him sexually. And, and there is a huge piece missing. Mm -hmm. Well, and isn't it sad that, that it takes that, all of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get us to clarity. And, and that's what people don't understand that we try so hard to push down, make our feelings and thoughts disappear. We basically just disconnect from the core of who we are so that we can be the straight people everybody expects us to be. And we, we damage our life. We damage our awareness and our soul and our feelings. And it turns out that it can also, hopefully not in this case with your, your husband, but you know, um, we can, we can really hurt people. Mm -hmm. And later, you know, we shouldn't, you know, be in marriages that we have to end because of our truth. We should Mm -hmm. be able to claim our truth so that we get in the right (laughs) marriage. And I'm not saying marriages always will last forever, but um, I'm just saying that truth is where we need to start a relationship from. And Mm -hmm. we do. I mean, you started in your truth because your truth was that you couldn't be gay. And we all start in that place. And it's just so tragic that it has to come to that kind of an end because we weren't allowed to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if I had one thing that I'm probably still angry about with the whole thing, it's just with the system yes. that doesn't give people options. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it wasn't just me that affected. It was him. It was his family. It was, mm-hmm. you know, our friends, all the people mm-hmm. that we built a life together yeah. with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So many people were affected. Um, and, and, and not to, I mean, and we have to be careful that we don't throw that shame back onto ourselves and say, look what I've done because it isn't, it's the system. It's the religious and so, so I'm trying to say social, um, systems that, that create this storm within us to where we have to hide. So none of us would hide if we didn't have to. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So when you, so I'm, this may be too much information and you can tell me no, if you don't want to answer it, but I'm just curious <laughs> that, that when you have an open marriage, were you thinking, okay, so now is when I'm going to get to explore, you know, the gay side of me. Did you purposely look for women to date or were you thinking maybe it's just him and I'll try another guy or were you really, because you were kind of thinking about the, the bisexual thing just wondered if you if you had a plan (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so one of the I mean when I was married my utmost priority was um protecting my husband at our marriage Mm -hmm. and so um if you know anything that he would have said no to I was like okay that's a no um 
And so he's, he said another guy would feel too threatening to him. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So that was part woman, of those ground rules. Mm-hmm. The ground rules that you set included those parameters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. But a woman he was totally fine with. Um, <laughs> so yeah, which, yeah, that's its own thing, but, um, yeah. <clears throat> but I, uh, so I was hoping in an ideal situation, I was hoping that each of us could maybe find a long-term partner that we could connect with in those ways that he and I weren't able to connect. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and, and that we could stay married and also have, um, you know, a second long-term partner. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I would, yeah, I don't know much about open relationships and I, and I know that I could never be um, Mormon and have my husband have more wives than me. Mm-hmm. I, I may be just a little bit too jealous. I don't <laughs> <laughs> never named myself as necessarily jealous but I'm pretty sure that I would feel um competition too much competition and yeah. um and so I, I don't think I could have done that either yeah yeah and what I found was you know I did try dating somebody that that I really liked um for a brief period of time and I just felt like I was cheating on two people all mm. the time mm-hmm. and it felt awful Mm-hmm. Um, it just it was not right for me well you're very brave you are very brave to to come through all of that strict religious dogma and expectations and the trauma that you've gone through I mean you could have been out of a focus for for your whole lifetime because that's so powerful and for you to be able to follow follow the path of your love for God and knowing that there has to be one and going in search of and finding the answer that filled, filled, you know, felt right to you. Um, I'm so in admiration of your strength and your courage through all of that. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, it was definitely challenging. Oh yeah. Um, And in a lot of ways, it just felt like I didn't have a choice. You know, I kept trying Mm -hmm. to forget all of this, but it was, Mm -hmm. I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Um, And then I felt like I had to do something with it. Mm -hmm. So So we haven't talked about your, your family or your parents. Um, So did they, have you come out to them? Do they understand what's happening? Yeah. So eventually when my ex-husband and I decided, um, I mean, we had a conversation after, I think it was, it was probably after a year of trying the open marriage and we had a conversation and just kind of realized we, we were both not getting what we needed. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and the things that we needed were really important and significant um, and we couldn't ignore them Mm -hmm. so we decided to divorce and that's when I started having coming out conversations Um, Mm. and in retrospect you know I kind of wish that I maybe could have done that a little differently and not come out quite as as broadly as I did Mm. Um, but I felt like I owed people an explanation for why we were getting divorced. Oh, uh-huh. I don't know that I did actually owe them that explanation, <laughs> right. but I right. felt like I did at the time. Um, and, and there was a part of me that really just wanted to be seen 
mm-hmm. who I was after so many years of hiding that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, so I had, so my parents are divorced, so I had separate conversations with each of them. Um, the one with my dad um, went really well at first. Uh, he didn't understand it, but he's a very curious person, so he asked a lot of questions. Um, the one with my mom was really challenging and I knew it would be, um, my dad is not religious and my mom is. So that's where the religious influence came from. Mm -hmm. And when I told her that we were, um, we were getting divorced, uh, I mean, I did it over video and like a video chat and she visibly sank. Like I I watched her Mm -hmm. deflate. And that was really heartbreaking because, Mm -hmm. I mean, going through a divorce is a huge heartbreak, Mm -hmm. but it was also a really exciting and empowering time for me to be Mm -hmm. able to discover who I am and really live that out authentically. Mm -hmm. Did she recover? Um, It's been a very slow process. I would not say totally recovered. Uh Um, You know, there were a lot of conversations where I would talk about somebody I was dating and she would just change the subject without even acknowledging that I had said anything about the person I was dating. Mm-hmm. Um, but this summer, I took my girlfriend home to meet her. That's the first person I've taken home um, since since I was married. And you know, the, but the caveat was that we couldn't um, we couldn't act like a couple. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what that meant was no PDA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we agreed to for the first meeting and we did it and it actually went really well. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a lot more open than I ever expected her to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in some ways that was still okay because there are things that you just can't hide, you know, Mm -hmm. like you just can't hide the way that we look at each other or, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that we talk about our life together. Yeah. sorts of things so um you know it's a good opportunity I think for her to see us just as humans and Mm -hmm. not as like the scary sinners yeah 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 is she connected to anything like p-flag or free mom hugs or no and that was one thing when I came out to her I sent her um Candace Zubernaut's book yeah Um, yeah and which she said she didn't find helpful mostly I think because it didn't tell her what she yeah. <laughs> it didn't confirm what she already yeah. believed yeah um and I asked her to you know to get connected with other queer people and hear their stories and mm-hmm. to try and understand what mm-hmm. it's like for the LGBTQ community yeah. when they come from a Christian context and yeah as far I think she dabbled in that a little bit and then got scared and yeah. hasn't done anything since and then the last time we sort of tried to talk about it she just shut down the conversation yeah so yeah I know that um I tried to send my parents and my brother the book um is the homosexual my neighbor that looks mm-hmm. at the verses those clobber verses um mm-hmm. and and shows how spiritually and and in the writing and the translations that they're not really accurate the way they're read today and yeah. um I was told that was propaganda mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but some parents have found that really helpful in healing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot more that's been written about the clobber versus like that book torn. Uh, I'm not yet to read that, but I keep hearing from other podcast guests that that's really a good book and that it would be good to read. Um, So, you know, I I think it's that's what's so hard about the religious um, dogma that we've all swallowed and our parents as well. I mean, they've grown up their they've grown up their whole lives and their adult lives believing one way. And it's so hard to shift that perspective. And it's hard to believe that we're not just trying to make up new ways to translate the Bible so that we feel better as gay people. Um, yeah. That's usually the comments I'll get is like, well, of course, you know, a gay preacher is going to tell you it's okay to be gay or, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, but there are so many other religious people who have been through uh, seminary and, and have studied the scriptures with the context and the historical background that can say with certainty that, we are not going to hell for being gay. You know, goodness knows I might go to hell for a lot of other things, (laughs) 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 but it won't be for being gay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's so sad though, that, that we can't have these open conversations. I forget who I was talking to the other day. And they said, you know, I don't know if the church will ever come around. There are certain churches that are coming around, but for them to all embrace um the the new understanding of the scriptures and how it you know gives gay people you know a relationship with god without any kind of condemnation that person that i was talking to said i just don't ever see it ever happening because people are holding on so tightly to that inspired word of god that cannot be challenged and cannot be changed and needs to stay the way they've been told it is so we'll see but i will i will always hold um thoughts of your mom and in my mind and heart and and it, it does take time you know when my wife and i my wife now and i got together we were under the same thing as don't shove that down our throat don't you touch her in front of me that's you know don't you do that and and you know it, I don't know. My dad got close to being okay with it, you know, toward the end before he died. My mom has no problem with us being around her and together, but we're not a very big PDA kind of couple anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think she would necessarily freak out if we did anything like hold a hand or, you know, hug or something like that. Um, but I still am not a hundred percent sure she doesn't think we're still going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's on the fence about that still. So, mm-hmm. you know, but at least we have a relationship and we can go in and it's comfortable and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a hard thing. Do you have brothers and sisters yeah. or other family that took it well or took it not so well? Um, it's been sort of mixed from mm-hmm. family. So mm-hmm. um my one brother that is still alive um, is autistic and he, his social understanding is about like a preschooler. Mm. So, um, and my mom actually uses that quite a bit as an excuse to try and keep me closeted around her. Um, So, yeah, so there's not really a connection there. Uh, You know, I've got some, some cousins that I, I don't really see in person. We're kind of connected on Facebook that are affirming um, and that actually have some LGBTQ children and grandchildren of their own. And they're very accepting, mm-hmm. but I don't actually spend a lot of time with them. So I'm really pretty disconnected from 
family that is affirming mm. and accepting. Mm. So, yeah. That's too bad. That's really too yeah. bad. It has been really hard at times. Um, and then it's also been a huge motivator to mm-hmm. find my own community and mm-hmm. to be very adamant that I am I am not going to allow people into my life that are going to heap that shame on me. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you been able to find an affirming church? So I have found that I have tried church off and on over the years, and I find that it's just really very triggering for me. Uh-huh. Um, even I even tried going to the Unitarian church. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe if you mm-hmm. take the all the religious dogma out of it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But even that, um, I just find being in a church very triggering. So, mm-hmm. but I have spiritual community. Um, that I meet with in other ways oh, um, and connect with in other ways uh, mm-hmm. that is very life-giving. Good. Yeah. yeah. And I had this conversation today too, that it's not about the building, you know, a relationship with God is personal and we do come together as community to bolster each other and support each other. If you can find that affirming, but if not, the church is the people that you, and, and, it, and it is what you have in your heart you know, toward creator or God or, or whatever you identify as that's that being, um, it is the spiritual community. And so I'm glad that you have that. And I'm really happy for you for that, because that's, that's what it's all about. One of my, one of my guests said the other day that the mother asked her, well, can you still talk to Jesus? And, and the daughter said, yes, I can still talk to Jesus. She says, okay, as long as you can talk to Jesus and I guess it's okay. But I thought that was so tender and so sweet because, you know, a mom, you know, if they're not abusive, um, you know, parents really want our best. They want us to be safe. They want us to be loved and they don't want us to be sick or hurt or anything like that. So a lot of this comes from fear. You know, I am Mm -hmm. afraid that your soul is in peril. And, you know, Sarah Cunningham did the same thing. I mean, she, she feared that her son was going to go to hell and she would do anything to save him. And so I get that it doesn't help us. (laughs) Right. <laughs> <laughs> to have to deal with their fear when we've dealt with it our our lives about ourselves. But um right. it is the the beast that we find ourselves battling. But you know, I do understand that it comes out of fear. And that fear also locks them into not being able to expand their mind. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of compassion for my mom because yeah. if she actually believes I'm gonna burn in hell, I mean, as a mom. I would want her to do everything she possibly can to (laughs) keep that from happening. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's tricky because I also think, or I wish that she would um, explore some things beyond that mindset. Yeah. um, And and truly understand that I have found life Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I am, I'm a better person now. I am a more whole and full person. Mm-hmm. I'm more compassionate and more loving than mm-hmm. I was before. And I'm mm-hmm. less afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. You know, that when you step into your authentic self, it's just like, you know, that's when you can really serve God. That's when you can really bring out what God intends for your life work to be, because you're not hiding from it. You know, it is, I never would have done this podcast had I not been able to come into my authentic self, 
you know, mm -hmm. and if I hadn't taken the journey to try to figure out how can I be gay with God, because yeah. I wasn't doing a very good job of it before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was living it, but I wasn't embracing the true, the true belief or the true feeling. And, and still yet, you know, like you talked about homophobia, inner homophobia and, you know, that those messages, I don't care how long it's been that you've been out those religious messages still keep creeping back in and, and you have doubts from time to time, or at least I do as to, well, what if I'm wrong? Yep. <laughs> I say this often on this podcast, but what if we're wrong? <laughs> but, yeah. well, we'll, we'll go down happy. That's what, that's all I know. That's right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I love that. We'll go down happy. We'll go down happy and fighting. Yes. <laughs> fighting yeah. for our right to be happy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so what else do you want people to know? Is there, have we missed anything in your story that, that you want to make sure that you say and tell? <laughs> um, you know, I think kind of the big thing is, and that I would love for people to know is to just be patient with the journey. Um, mm. uh, internalized homophobia doesn't go away just because you come out right. or just because you're in a relationship in fact sometimes it gets worse <laughs> yeah. um, you know uh your family and friends have their journeys that they're mm -hmm. on and they have their own timeline with that mm -hmm. and, and it's an up and down and, and it really is a journey mm -hmm. it's not um you come out and then life is amazing and you're happy yeah you know you still yeah. um it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to be out and to be who I am, but, yeah. um, but it didn't magically take ever, everything away um, no. that I struggle with as a person Yeah, and it didn't take away the internalized homophobia. You know, mm -hmm. that's a process of working through and letting go mm -hmm. and working through it with my family. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know where we'll end up. I really hope that there's a day where, mm -hmm my, my girlfriend and I can be ourselves in front of my mom. And, yeah. and I, I am truly hopeful that that day will happen. Yeah, um, me but, too. Me uh, too. So usually my final question to my guest is that, you know, what is one thing that you would share with someone who is struggling? And if you think of it from the thought of when you were struggling, you know, early on, and you thought that you might have been gay, um, what, what could someone have said, or what could someone have done that would have helped you maybe get clear sooner? Hmm. Um, I think having exposure to stories of people who are gay and, mm. you know, who are good, loving, compassionate people who are people of faith, um, that mm -hmm. it is possible to have all of that. Um, mm -hmm. it is possible to actually embrace your sexuality or your gender and be a better version of yourself than mm -hmm. you are today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We always get the messages of how, like you said, horrible gay people were and, and, and all the negative things about gay people, but we never got to hear the stories of, you know, people who are going to seminary and, and being ordained as priests or bishops or mm -hmm. ministers or, you know, that there are loving, intelligent, professional people. They're all not drug addicts on the side of the road, just right. for sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? 
we're not yeah that, we're not all that yeah <laughs> so that would be lovely if we could have that balance and that's why i would love to see um you know in our in our schools when we do sex education or if we talk about life skills or, or relationships or whatever some of those courses are i would like the whole story represented that mm -hmm. you know there there's a book called perfectly normal it's a you know book for kids that parents can go through with them and it talks about all relationships not just the straight ones and and it gives them a picture of what it could what it could look like you know to be who you are and to be in yeah. a loving relationship and that would be awesome um because we all deserve that we deserve to see ourselves validated and and visible in people's stories yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah it's so yeah. important it is important and you're important. And I'm glad that you told your story today. Thank you so much for honoring yeah. us with your story. Thanks for the yeah. opportunity. Oh, yeah. you are, you are welcome. And I want to remind everybody um, that we are going to have Alicia's um, contact information, her email and her website uh, on the show page and that you can connect to the groups that we talked about in the beginning. I'll have them listed out and that's going to be after the new year. So put yourself a note if this sounds important to you and you want to, and you want to take one of these little groups, then I want you to be able to do that. And that'll be an online thing, Alicia. Yeah. All the groups will be online. Yep. Okay. So anybody anywhere can come. Anybody anywhere. Look at that guys. <laughs> You are all welcome. Yes. <laughs> and remember that she's also a counselor at the Christian Closet and and tell a little bit about that. So I'm, I'm thinking because I, I was an LPC um, before mm -hmm. I was a coach. And so I'm wondering if you are if you are certified in Colorado and Wyoming and I'm from North Carolina, if I were to call in and say, hey, I'd like to get counseling. Are there people mm -hmm. staffed for all states or how does that work? Yeah, so we have therapists all over the country, and okay. it's possible that we have one that is licensed in your state. Oh, okay. Um, but what we do when we're not licensed in a state and somebody wants to work with us um, is that it is it is coaching. Um, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I should apply. <laughs> yeah, you should actually. <laughs> I can apply as a coach. <laughs> you can, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, we'll talk more about that. Um, yeah. Because I do have my own business of Empowering Awakened Hearts um, LLC. But you know, you never know what's coming yeah. up in the future. So anyway, that would that would be yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. It's so a great group. I, I've, I've met several of your members and tell them to keep coming on to the show. <laughs> Anybody right. that's not been on the show, give them a nod. Say, hey, that's not so bad. <laughs> Will do. Yeah. I have loved talking with you and your story. And it's so inspiring to know that through all of the the trauma and the pain and the hurt that I'm looking at the smiling face of somebody that just feels settled in her skin right now. And it's such a joy to know that you've come through that. I know it's an ongoing journey and it's all, all not wrapped up with a bow. Um, but you know, you finally were able to come to your authentic self and I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And guys, thank you, you listeners who keep coming back each week, supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Alicia, go to the Gay With God podcast show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. And if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you are authentically gay, God has always 
been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And if you're on Facebook, you can check us out at a private group called Gay With God. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.